Good morning to each of you. Good chilly morning. I want to say, uh, Brother Mark Lawson, it's so good to, to see you up and about it, uh, to be able to hand out the elements. I didn't expect that. So that's that's really neat. So praise God for, for how he's working. I know there's still some to come, but I'm very glad to see that. That's really neat. Um, another item of uh, praise, many of you all uh, probably remember a young lady who was a member here for a while, Jennifer Kira Kabukian. Uh, she got married and went out to Phoenix, uh, Arizona, um, where it's probably not nearly as cold today. Um, and uh, she and her husband, uh, Felix, they sent uh, me a message this week and they just had their first uh, child, uh, Zane Isaac Raj, if I have that right. I was born on Thursday, and he's healthy, and uh, she's healthy, so they were they were quite excited. So praise the Lord for um, for how He's continuing to work in their lives. Um, well, you should have a handout uh, for those online. Our tech folks, I'm sure they're getting you a, a handout. I got a thumbs up. You should have a handout uh, there uh, that you can pick up online. So we've been going through for. Um, Many months, more like years, uh, the book of Romans, um, and uh, by God's grace, we have rounded out to now chapter 16. This, There's a chance this is our last sermon in Romans, uh, but we don't want to make any predictions like that, right, Brother Mark? Um, so uh, Brother Mark and I have had the privilege of uh, preaching uh, this incredible book together. So we're going to look at these uh, three verses together. Uh, 25 through 27. So let me go ahead and read for us uh, Romans 25 through 27, and then we will uh, we'll go from there. Let's read together. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you for all of your mercies. We have studied them together in song this morning. We have declared together that you have given us grace upon grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. We have marveled together at the wonderful, wondrous cross and what it means to us. And we have declared together that your mercy is much more than even our disobedient sin. Father, your mercies are unreal. Just the fact that we even know anything about you it's mercy. Father, I pray this morning in the preaching of your word 
that you would exalt your mercy to us, that we would see it, behold it, and love it as believers. I pray that you would exalt your son, Jesus, that he is everything he is. He was promised to be, and he's everything that we need, should not be added to nor subtracted from. I pray, Father, you would exalt your spirit who is revealed to us, you the Father, has revealed to us the Son, has given us a word to behold. We ask these things, we trust these things, that you would work. Amen. So um, this is a little bit different in how I've laid this out for you. So in, in your handout, I've given you a, uh, an outline format um, of these verses. Uh, and so quite honestly, uh, Paul does such an amazing job of heaping and on heaping and on heaping that it's actually kind of hard to follow this area. And so I thought by breaking out an outline form, it would help show Paul's logic. Um, and so it seems to me that there's a structure whereby the beginning and the end thoughts are connected. Uh, I've labeled those as uh, level A. And then the middle areas are connected. I labeled those, that's kind of a, a purplish color, level B. And then in the middle, uh, those very middle, that area, level C. And, and so after giving this probably too much thought, I, I finally decided to, to start at the middle because I think that's how the logic best is understood and go out. So that's what we're going to do. We're actually going to start at level C, then go to level B, and then go to level A. So when I was preparing the sermon, there was a, a pretty big lights-on moment for me about the book of Romans. It came there at the final phrase of verse 25, so that's in the level C section, and that is this phrase, that was kept secret for long ages. That was kept secret for long ages. So what was kept secret? You got a secret Paul's talking about. That's odd. What was kept secret and who kept it secret? This thing that is kept secret is described in the two words prior to that. If you back up right before that was kept secret, you get of the mystery. Okay? To be quite honest with you, by saying the mystery that was kept secret, that helps none. By definition, a secret <laughs> is a mystery. So we got to keep going backwards. We actually have to go up to level B, the top there. And that's where we find the answer in the middle of verse 25. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. So the thing that is kept secret is the good news of Jesus. So that tells us what was kept secret. Now stay, stay with me. Who kept it a secret? Who's doing all this secret keeping? Well, for that, you got to go the other direction from the secret from long ages. So find that. After we're told about 
the secret from long ages, we're then told that it has now been disclosed. Well, who disclosed the secret? Again, you got to go to level B. So drop down to the bottom level B. And what do you get? According to the command of who? The eternal God. So who's the secret keeper? You just got it. God kept the secret. So, <laughs> so God kept a secret for long ages about the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. It kind of just wakes you up if you're in church mode. God kept secret for long ages the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that's where the lights on moment came about the book of Romans. I got to be honest with you. I don't think I'd ever considered what a big deal this is to Paul throughout the book of Romans. But the more I thought about Romans, I can see it's a major assumption of the book. See, Paul was not only a devout Jew. Paul was a Jewish scholar of the Jewish scriptures. He had completely missed the gospel until God revealed it to him. Much of Romans is Paul explaining the gospel, but also explaining how it is that he and many others had completely missed the gospel. So Paul comes all the way to the end and he plainly expresses that God veiled the fullness of the gospel. So the point is, God kept secret the fullness of the gospel. Now, one of the biggest components of that was that there would be a single Savior for both Jews and Gentiles. But this was a mystery. This idea is a mystery to Paul until it was revealed. But also, what else God had veiled was the full nature of sin, the workings of the law, faith in a Savior. Much of that was veiled until Jesus came. So, there are multiple ways that we can consider this. But... I'm going to focus on two. This one, just think about this for a second. Honestly, ask yourself this question. Do I have room for a God who keeps secrets? Do I have room for a God who keeps secrets, even secrets concerning the gospel? I think it's a difficult question. But it really helps test our understanding of God. It's plain in the book of Romans that God keeps secrets, and in particular, that God kept secret for ages the full nature of salvation. So whether we like it or not, if we embrace the God of the Bible, we must embrace a God who keeps secrets. I think it's just helpful. Second, do we understand that we as humans are limited in our understanding such that the ways of God are not naturally known to us. We are limited so that the ways of God are not naturally known to us. I think, honestly, these are tough points to swallow. First, I think we find it unfair that God would keep something secret, especially something as important as salvation. How could God have kept that secret? I've often heard people say, well, God actually should write across the sky everything we need for salvation so everybody would know it 
so that they could be saved. Second, I think we find it hard to believe that we as humans can't on our own understand the ways of God. But this is one of the major points of Romans. Paul is declaring that what he and many of his kinsmen had believed about God wasn't right. It was incomplete in many ways. It was just dead wrong in others. Paul points makes a point in Romans 9. Is, and he's making a point there about the God who keeps secrets. And he says he doesn't owe his creatures, especially his creatures who rebelled against him, anything. He actually puts it like this in chapter 9, verse 20. Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Furthermore, it's helpful to know that Christianity affirms that humans cannot naturally understand the ways of God. This does not mean that we can't draw some inferences about God from his creation. In the opening chapter of Romans, we are told very clearly there that, that the things of God, that he's incredibly above us, that he is very powerful, that those we can see. But knowing that is far cry from understanding that God has chosen a people, people for himself, that he sent his son, that our sin separates us, that the only way we can have life is to believe in his son, that his son will one day sit on the very seat of David in the line of Judah. How can we know that? Here's the point. You can't know that naturally. It's actually impossible to know that on your own. So the Bible asks us to submit in humility to the fact that we on our own are ignorant to the ways and the plans of God. The Bible requires that we trust in a revealed word. We must not submit to our feelings or our emotions, to our traditions or to our preferences, but to a revealed supernatural word from God if we are to understand God. That is massively important. To Christianity, our God is a God who keeps secrets. But praise be to the mercy of God. He is a God who discloses himself and his son. Let's continue. We're still in the level C, at the heart of the passage. We're going to go to that bottom part. So Paul goes further there and he says there at, uh, at the end of 26, um, according to the re revelation of the mystery that was kept for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the pro prophetic writings has been known to all nations. Okay. How did God disclose his plan? You see what's happening? He's saying, first, God kept it a secret. Then he's saying God disclosed. So our question is, how does he disclose? Well, you actually can get a hint on that if you look at when it was disclosed. So Paul says that God's plan has when been disclosed. Now. It's so important right there. So God has now disclosed. Verse 26, but 
but has now been disclosed. That is, when? That is at the coming of Jesus Christ, the plan of God was revealed. So the plan of God was kept secret for long ages. And then at the time of Jesus, at the coming of Jesus, God, the God who keeps secrets, has now revealed. In the coming of Jesus, the plan of God that was secret forever, God revealed. Paul goes further to explain that it was disclosed at at the coming of Jesus and was explained how. This is where it gets just interesting. Through the prophetic writings. Stay with me. Verse 26. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been known to all nations. Now wait. Just wait a second. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something. The prophetic writings of the Old Testament. You got that? Doesn't Paul mean to say that the gospel was revealed through the coming of Jesus through the New Testament writings, right? Jesus comes and then he gives us the New Testament. The New Testament tells us about what he's just done, right? That's where the revealing is happening. Surely it's happening through the New Testament because that's after Jesus comes. The Old Testament was completed 500 years before Jesus came. Just trips me out what Paul is doing here. Okay, hold on. This is it. But it says, what does it say? The prophetic writings, that's the thing doing the disclosing. And what's the prophetic writings? It's the Old Testament. So understand what he's saying. He is saying the prophetic writings point to and make ready the coming of Jesus to all nations. This is so humbling. We're going to flesh this out, but I just want to make sure you get the concept. Jesus comes here before Jesus is the prophetic writings. What did Paul just tell us? He kept a secret through those writings the entire time. Secret. Then Jesus comes and he says, oh, by the way, he gave you the prophetic writings to do what? To reveal Jesus. The very thing that does the revealing is the very thing that was keeping the secret. (laughs) Put that in your pipe and smoke on it. That's unreal. Only the Bible would do that. The Old Testament was not only option, was not option A to be abandoned. The Old Testament was intended as a worldwide disclosing of Jesus Christ. So follow this. God kept secret the coming of Jesus by clearly describing him in where? The Old Testament. That's how he kept it secret. He held Jesus hidden. How? In plain sight. Why? Because man on his own cannot see what God doesn't disclose. It's so humbling. God disclosed the gospel through the coming of Jesus by the Old Testament. That's incredible. I think this has to humble us. 
Let us be humble that God both revealed and disclosed Jesus in the Old Testament. Both the authors and the readers of the Old Testament. They did not see the plan of God, even though they were writing about Jesus. God kept it secret from the prophets. Peter actually makes this point in his epistle. First Peter chapter one, Peter says this concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring as to what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Listen to verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. Well, who were they serving, Peter? But you. That's anybody who comes after Jesus. But you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to. So from the time Moses penned Genesis, somewhere around 1450 B.C., all the way to the close of the Old Testament, somewhere around 400. So we've got about a thousand years of writing somewhere around there. Moses is writing close of Old Testament. You've got about a thousand years. You've got about two dozen authors who wrote the Old Testament in that thousand years. Is that happening? All of this is happening. And they do not fully understand what it is they're writing. And the people who are reading don't fully understand what it is they're reading. And all the while they're plainly disclosing what? Jesus Christ. Why? Because God kept it hidden. Friends, when is the last time you thank God for the incredible, we thank God, for the incredible mercy to allow us to live after the fullness of the scriptures were written? By the mercy of God, we have lived in the age after the resurrection of Jesus. This means that we not only have the entire New Testament, but we have the privilege of reading the Old Testament as it points and discloses Jesus. Leads to another observation. When we read the Old Testament, we should not be surprised to see glimpses of Jesus. We should expect to see Jesus. According to Paul, according to Peter, the Old Testament books were written in such a way that they point us to help us understand and more clearly Long for who? Jesus. It should excite you about digging in deeper and learning the Old Testament. The more familiar, familiar we are with the Old Testament, the more familiar we are with who? Jesus. I've heard people say about certain passages in the Old Testament, well, that couldn't have been about Jesus because the person writing it, they wouldn't have really understood what it was, what, what that is. So they, since they didn't intend it, that couldn't be. I mean, it'd be funny, but we have clear reasons right here to know that, of course, they didn't know what they were writing. Of course, they didn't fully understand. That's exactly Peter's point. That's exactly Paul's point. God was keeping it secret for them. I hope it excites you to dig into the Bible and into the Old Testament with vigor, that there you will see your Lord. So we have seen that God kept the fullness of the gospel a secret. 
We've seen that God disclosed the gospel through the resurrection of Jesus by the Old Testament. So now we move from C up to B. Move from C up to B. So the top of B says, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And then that bottom part says, according to the command of the eternal God. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And according to the command of the eternal God. This is point three. So Paul says his gospel is nothing but the preaching of Christ. That's what he says right there. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. And what is the preaching of Jesus Christ but the command of the eternal God? That's what God's commanded. That Jesus Christ be what? Preached. And what is the preaching of Jesus Christ at the eternal command of God? What is it? It's nothing more than disclosing Jesus Christ. That's the connection between B and C. C says the Old Testament and God has disclosed Jesus Christ. And B says, and what is my gospel? It's nothing more than Jesus Christ. It's nothing more than this. Look, behold, Jesus is. So Paul is able to say to his audience that he has a new message for them, a new message of good news. The message is entirely centered around the person and work of Jesus. But while telling them, that he's got a new message, he says, but by the way, it's actually not a what? It's not a new message. Why? Because this message that came at the command of their eternal God, it's all across the New Testament. Well, why didn't we know it, Paul? Because it hasn't yet been disclosed until when? Now. And now it's been disclosed at the preaching of Jesus. So the gospel is spread through the preaching of Jesus at the command of God. One observation. Keeping all of this in check, the gospel cannot be any more or any less than Jesus. The gospel cannot be any more or any less than Jesus. I, I cannot overemphasize this point. It's tested in every generation on all sides. In Paul's age, he dealt with folks who wanted to add to Jesus. And he dealt with folks who wanted to subtract from Jesus. He put it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. You hear what that just was? The, the Jews, they want what? They want some signs. And the Greeks say, no, 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 we want some what? Some wisdom. That is, the Jews wanted to add to Jesus. They wanted a little bit more supernatural before they would believe. On the other hand, the Greeks, they wanted to do what? Subtract from Jesus. We could take a little less of the supernatural. We'd like a little bit more of the natural wisdom. One is adding, one is subtracting. 
Paul assesses both of these and he says they're unacceptable and they're dangerous. He says in verse 22, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but to those who are, listen, called to those who have seen. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. One of the saddest realities in our world today is how many people are blinded to the gospel due to others adding or subtracting from the gospel. It is estimated that of 7.3 billion people in the world, over 2 billion of them are Muslims. Muslims have both subtracted from the person of Jesus and added to the message of the gospel. It is estimated that 16 million people in the world today are Mormons. Mormons have subtracted from the person of Jesus and added to the message of the gospel with their new revelations and teachings. There are about 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses in the world today. Like Muslims, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses have subtracted substantially from the claims of Jesus and added to the message of the gospel. From the earliest days of our country's founding, we have seen countless liberals, including many of our own founders, the country's founders, to try to make Christianity more reasonable, more palatable by subtracting from the claims of Jesus and adding ventures in social justice. And in so doing, they have sacrificed the gospel. And we are surrounded by a culture that treats Jesus like Santa Claus, forming the Jesus that you want to follow and believe in when and if it is convenient. But let us see how different this is from the gospel Paul proclaims. The gospel Paul proclaims is settled. This is what I love about this. It's settled upon Jesus. Why is it settled upon Jesus? This is great. Because Paul says, I can't change it. It was already written and fully done 500 years before I ever began. It had been written for over a thousand years by over two dozen authors. Where? In the Old Testament. That's what's so great about this. He says Jesus is fully defined already. He's everything God has promised already. I can't add to him and I can't subtract from him. He's already there. My gospel is nothing but he is. He is the one to whom all the teachers and all the prophets point. He isn't simply one among many of them. He is the culmination of them. The disclosing of the Old Testament is the disclosing of Jesus. And further, how does the gospel spread? It spreads through proclaiming, preaching. The gospel doesn't spread through being experienced. It doesn't spread through being felt. It doesn't spread through being dreamt. The gospel spreads when it is proclaimed. 
And that's why I, I outlined, I liked outlining the passage. I love the connection between level B, the top, and level B, the bottom. Notice the divine and the human aspects. Level B taught, the gospel spreads when Jesus is proclaimed by a believer to a non-believer. That's the proclaiming of the gospel. It spreads when a non-believer hears it. That's all wrapped up in the preaching of Jesus. But all of that happens because of what? Go to level B bottom. The command of the eternal God. Do you see what's happening? You're actually getting a repeat in level B of level C. And what is that? God is doing the same thing in the proclaiming and hearing of the gospel. Right now, as new people hear the gospel that he has done in the Old Testament, he uses humans, and all the while, he is fully in charge. God hides Jesus in plain sight through the proclaiming of the gospel, just like he hid Jesus in plain sight in the Old Testament. Now, you can take that and try to digest that. That's exactly what Paul's after. God hides Jesus in plain sight in the proclaiming of the gospel, just like he held Jesus, hid Jesus in plain sight through the Old Testament. And here Paul is pointing us to another level of the mercy of God. Humans don't naturally understand the ways of God. Somebody's got to tell us. But even that, God has to do what? A divine work. Paul's conversion stood as a case in point. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he had read what God had written in the skies. He'd read through and studied the Old Testament scriptures. Moreover, this is interesting. Did you realize that there's a very good chance that he met Jesus? They would have been in the same town at the same time. So he knew Jesus. Very good chance he heard him teach. Good chance he actually witnessed his miracles. He heard people explain to him how Jesus was the long-promised Messiah. And what did he do? Turn and believe in Jesus? Nope. He completely missed it. He completely missed it. Why? Because man does not see the things of God on his own. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We actually read this together in our opening. But down in verse 14. It says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly. They're foolishness to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Man on his own looks at the wondrous works of God and deems them to be nothing but foolishness. Friends, brothers and sisters, do we see the amazing kindness of God in that we have seen and believed upon Jesus? It's actually an unbelievable idea. It's not a natural work. It's a work of God. There's so many mercies of God present in the fact that we have heard and believed. As Paul made plain in, in Romans 10, if there's not someone who goes and someone who proclaims, then there's no way we will know the gospel. The gospel would still be a secret to us if God had not reached out and allowed you to hear it. On a weekly basis, we pray for people who are in the unreached people groups. These are people who, unless something changes, will go from birth to grave and never have access to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is estimated that 
98% of the people in the world today live in a place that is somewhere between unreached and superficially reached. That means 4.6 billion people of the 7.2 billion people on the planet live in a place where the gospel is at best superficially known. We, because you're in the room, you count, we happen to live in a place where we have significant access to the gospel. Only 1.4 of the 7. Point, actually 7.8 billion people in the world, only 1.4 of the 7.8 billion people in the world have been shown such kindness. They just stop. Have you ever considered the kindness of God that you live, happen to live, Somewhere in the world, 18% of the people in the whole world have that privilege. You have the privilege of living somewhere where the gospel has significantly reached people. Do you see the layers of mercy involved? First, we were born after the coming of Jesus. We have the amazing privilege of reading the Old Testament and the New Testament as they clearly demonstrate Jesus to us. Then... We have the mercy to live in an area of the world where the gospel is readily available, abundantly available. Then we had the mercy of, of someone proclaiming the gospel to us. Then you got to keep going. We had the amazing mercy of the eternal God commanding us to see and believe when it was proclaimed to us. It is mercy. Upon mercy, upon mercy, upon mercy. They're just layered. That's what Paul's getting at. It's as if it just dawns on him. At the end of the, the whole book, he says, this is unreal. Why do I see? Why do I even know? It's only mercy. Only if you get all of that. And that's why I thought we had to start from the center and go out. Do you get this final point? And we're closing. Look at level A. It just, the point will make itself. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. That's the top. And what's the bottom? To bring about the obedience of faith. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Dot, dot, dot. All that other stuff. And then he gets back to the bottom and he says, to bring about your obedience of faith. I love this. So all that came prior anchors Paul's real encouragement for us. That was just anchor. That is all of those mercies mentioned prior. They're just anchor mercies. They serve to anchor us to trust God, God's mercy, to do the thing that Paul actually wants to make sure that the Romans believe God will do. That is to believe that God will strengthen them, that God will keep them. The God who brought abundant mercies to save us will bring abundant mercies to keep us. That's what Paul's after. The God who brought abundant mercies to save us is going to bring abundant mercies to keep us. 
sure has the ring of Jude there at the very end of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time now and forevermore. What's the point? Paul gets to the very end of this great epistle and he knows what Christians must be thinking. Paul's is great. This Jesus is unbelievable. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm just not sure I'm going to be able to hold on. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to keep this thing afloat. Keep this in the lane. And here's Paul's incredible encouragement. Now to the one who is able to keep you. To the one who is able to strengthen you. According to what? According to what, Paul? And then Paul says, according to all the layers of mercy I just threw at you. According to that. He put you in this people group. At this location. At this time in history. He brought you to this level of belief. He is not dropping you. And look at how he says he'll do it. He'll bring about your obedience of faith. Your obedience is not holding you in the faith. No, Jesus is holding you in the faith. But as Jesus holds you, he will bring about obedience demonstratively of your faith. Friends, if you are here and you have not taken seriously the gospel of Jesus, That Jesus alone is the promised savior, savior who can conquer your sin. Let me proclaim to you clearly today that Jesus and Jesus alone can save. But don't think that just because you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, God can very easily hide himself in plain sight. Pursue the gospel. Pursue Jesus. He, by the very hearing of the gospel, has demonstrated to your ears. He is pursuing you. Brothers and sisters, do we see? Do we believe? Do we treasure the amazing mercies of God? To allow us to see and believe in Jesus. The layers of mercy and grace for us to trust in King Jesus alone. It's mercy upon mercy and grace upon grace. Surely God who brought us to this point will hold us to glory. May his mercy produce in us gratitude and obedience. And now if I have done my job, verse 27 should preach itself. Given all these mercies, all these examples of God hiding and showing, pursuing and declaring, all the ignorance of men and the brilliance of God, verse 27, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore.
through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray for us. To you, Father, the only wise God, you are the only wise. None of us is wise. To you, the only wise God. Would you be glorified in a thankful people amazed at your mercy to place us within the earshot of the gospel, to place us at a time in history that is after the coming of Jesus Christ, to allow us to hear this gospel. And then unbelievably, that we didn't just shake it off and run away, but we embraced it and believed. Thank you. Only you get credit for that. Now, Father, remind us that you will keep us. Help us to see our faith is incredible and important. Grow us. To you, the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.